Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Welcome to the Chase Town Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Cleveland Cavaliers come away with a big win over the New York Knicks. Uh, Jordan Clarkson with a season-high 28 points off the bench. Colin Sexton with a nice bounce-back game, 19 points. And Rodney Hood with basically the go-ahead bucket uh, in the final seconds of the game. But we're not really here to talk too, too much about that because we have the return of the hero, Matthew Dellavedova making his uh, debut at home for the Cavs in the win. And to help break everything down is my good friend and actually second-time recurring guest this season. I think you're the first repeat guest. Ty Windish, how's it going, buddy? Uh, it's going good. For a second, I thought I was the hero, and I was really excited. But I think Delhi probably makes more sense in that role, so I'm not too mad about it. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, you just don't have enough thumbs up pictures for me to fully embrace <laughs> you in that same way. So uh, it, it'll need to be something that we, you, you'll just have to work through. Yeah, I'll, get, I'll work on my thumbs up per 36 for sure. <laughs> How's it going, man? It's good. Um, you know, the Bucks, who people assume I'm a fan of, I don't know if I really count as that anymore after be like, you know, writing about teams or whatever, but they lost an ugly game. So I could be better. And especially because like Giannis, who's someone I root for, he didn't play well at all. So that's a that's a little down, but I mean I'm good. I had a good day at the at the gym playing basketball after work. So that's really the most important thing. Look at you go. I I'm I'm immediately envious because my day after after the day job, I immediately went for physio and I'm trying to work my way back to being able to play pickup ball. So I'm very envious of you. Um, how envious are you of the Cavs, though? Uh, they, they got such a great bench player here, Matthew Delavadova. Wouldn't that be, guy be a great fit for your Bucks? <laughs> he really would be. Um, it's funny. I, I remarked to you earlier, just in DMs or whatever, he went from unplayable on the Bucks. I mean, they gave him some. They didn't give him a ton of chances to play, but they gave him some. And he just was just awful like his minutes were a disaster and he goes back to Cleveland and all of a sudden he's like cult hero deli all over again like he hit at least one and maybe two floaters late in that game and I was like he those have not come close to landing since since he was a buck like I don't know what it is I don't know what what recalibrated him about going back to Cleveland whatever it was it's working yeah he's a he's a whole different player over there 
I, I don't know if you're a Marvel movies fan or anything like that, but putting on a Cavs jersey is to Delhi what uh, the Stormbreaker was for Thor when he was laying dead on the ground. Um, it, it has brought him back to life. Um, I, I mean, there's still some pretty typical Delhi moments. He, he had some rough turnovers there. And all things considered, it's not like he's actually that, that good of a player. No. But you no. know what? He's he's tremendously entertaining. He's somebody that's going to give the guys a, a strong bench presence and stuff like that. So um, having him back, it, it's certainly entertaining. And when Delhi's good, it drives people so crazy that it, it makes it all worthwhile. Like just how much enjoyment we get out of him. Yeah, I think everyone's just genuinely like entertained to watch Delhi play well. And of course, like you said, like playing well for Delhi is a little different than playing well for like a superstar like Chetty Osman. But uh, <laughs> it is certainly it is certainly enjoyable to watch him like take a charge and just get fired up about it, or hit one of those weird floaters, or do some other Delhi stuff. He's always on the ground. I saw him on the ground a lot. I mean, I was dual screening tonight, and every time I looked over, I felt like. I either saw Delhi like letting the ball go out of his hand at a weird angle, or Delhi just flying through the through through legs. And I was like, "Yep, he's back to form." Yeah, uh, he's he's in full torpedo mode. And my my guy Jetty, he he's uh, he does everything well outside of that whole finishing thing. So uh, um, it's it's been a rough stretch for him since he's come back uh, from injury. But as you said, even though you're not necessarily a Bucks fan you're you're certainly someone that's very familiar with them and uh, a team that's probably more close to your heart than a lot of other teams in the league uh, what was kind of your impression of the trade because we, we've talked a little bit about it from our perspective and what do you think George Hill brings there what what were your overall kind of reactions to that deal well my first thing was and this is something I like to when something like like this was a very specific type of trade and I was explaining it in a a group chat with some of my buddies who aren't like NBA fanatics like we are. Right. And it was sort of like, like George Hill is nice. Like George Hill is fine. Like I think he'll help them a little bit, but it's not about George Hill. I mean, this trade is all about this summer for Milwaukee. I think they clear like 16 or 17 and a half million off their cap this summer. Cause George Hill is very like 1.5 mil guaranteed. I think before a certain date, you know, there's a, of like a, if if there's a one percent chance George Hill is a buck next year, it's because they somehow like I don't even think it's possible to cut him and bring him back because of the rules. I don't I don't know how that works, but they they won't keep him at that number. Like the whole point was to clear money and do something for this coming summer. Because listen, right now Anthony Davis is the guy everyone's talking about. You know when when is he is he going to get traded? When's he going to get traded? The Celtics, Lakers, blah 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 blah. You know clutch sports, all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Either that'll resolve or it won't, but eventually, and it's already kind of started to happen, people are going to talk about Giannis, and I feel like the Bucks feel very much like they need to do things to convince Giannis to stay. I mean, being, I think they're still second in the East with the loss to Indiana tonight, but that helps. You know, they don't have the, a number two superstar, especially Chris Middleton's in the, the bottom, hopefully the bottom of a crater right now in his play, and he's gotten benched. He, he had set out a game. I, I don't really know what's up there. I don't have any special insight. You know, I've talked to people who follow the team closer than I do, and they're like, it just seems like a Chris slump, so hopefully he just gets out of it soon. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Bledsoe's been great, but, you know, I, I think that trade is very much like, sure, we'll have George Hill for this run. That'll help a little bit. Uh, Henson's not really going to play this year anyway. I mean, maybe back by, like, April, the playoffs. But, you know, right. for most of this run, he's not a factor. Delhi wasn't doing anything. So they said, we'll attach two picks and get off all this money. 
add George Hill, who's fine. And then also they ended up getting their second, a better second rounder from Washington just so they could save tax money, which is like <laughs> classic Wizards right there. And, and plus, you don't have Sam Decker on your team. So yeah. I, I'm sure that that's a relief. Like that second round pick becomes so much sweeter once you recognize that Sam Decker is no longer part of the deal, at least for Milwaukee. Well, it's like, it's funny because, I mean, apparently Jason Smith is like the coolest guy ever because yeah. everyone on the Wizards is like, we're not, we're not going to last losing Jason Smith. And I was like, really? Really, Brad Beal? But the second round pick thing kills me because like these things matter. Like they, they I think the Wizards really just unprotected their second rounder where it was protected. I, I, like the, the Bucks already had a look at that pick for something else, the Jody Meeks trade. But um, like that's going to be a decent second rounder. It reminds me of the Bulls who just flipped second rounders for no reason. And like the Bulls could have Jordan Bell and Mitchell Robinson on their team right now, just if they had not given away stupid second round picks and stupid trades. And now they have neither of those guys. It's like, you know, if the Bucks can add another Malcolm Brogdon or a Sterling Brown type player with that, that's huge just to take on some extra money that doesn't really affect them and get, you know, world's best guy, Jason Smith. That guy has to have some good drugs. Like he, he's got to be, <laughs> like that, that is my only explanation, but he, he's, he's got the best weed in town. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe he's like the designated fall guy. Okay. You know, like yeah, Eric yeah, Bledsoe yeah. is about to get in trouble at the club, and like Jason Smith just like pushes him behind him. He's like, "No, I did it for sure." You know, I I could see that. He, he's a big guy. Like uh, out in the real world, him, him yeah. stepping in, him taking uh, responsibility. Everyone's like, "You know what? It, it's not that big a deal. I'm I'm fine. We're good, buddy." He's like an offensive lineman in real life. Like he'll he'll block <laughs> for the he'll block for the key players. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, it was one of those interesting trades where I feel like it really wasn't about any of the players that were involved in the trade. No. I mean, John Henson's a nice player, and um, my personal prediction is that he doesn't play a game for the Cavs. I, I think he probably gets flipped at the deadline. Um, so it, it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out for both teams. Uh, if Chris Middleton, you know, the last time you came on the podcast, we worked out some trades here and uh, we got rid of some of the contracts that we had talked about getting rid oh, of. Yeah. If we need to take Chris Middleton off your hands, we, we have a very lightly used J.R. Smith. Uh, if, if you can find him, uh, still no. Um, <laughs> well, I, I should say before, and this is a Cavaliers podcast, I like the trade for Cleveland a lot. I mean, it, like nothing the Cavs do really matters as long as they like keep their core young guys, who's really like, the sex man and Osman are the only two that really probably matter. Um, mm -hmm. And they get, they, you know, they got two picks, which is awesome. Like get as many picks as you can, like either flip them for more stuff or just keep them. Like that's how you get better when you're in this situation. Like their asset right now is not having assets. So just, you know, take the bad money, flip better contracts for worse ones and get stuff. Like that's a, that's a good move for them. I will say quickly outside of like, I mean, love isn't playing right now, but outside of him and like the two young guys who I do like going forward, they have a very, like, Nets before they got, uh, you know, their fun young guys, like before Jared Allen and Karis LeVert. Like, where they just have a bunch of guys, where they give them chances. I'm like, I'd like all of those guys. It's like the 10th or 11th guy if I, if I was running a team. Like, they have a lot of those guys. And I'm always interested to watch teams like that, where those guys get a shot. You know, your, your Blossom Games, who's a two-way guy for them, or Rodney Hood, Alec Burks. Like, it's cool to watch those guys get some running. Alec Burks was – a hero in the Cavs win tonight. Like I, I like that stuff. It, it's entertaining to me. It is entertaining, and uh, it there's so many guys that really would fit a lot of teams in the right situation. Like they, there's a lot of role guys that basically are missing the high usage guy to play off of, and even uh, some of the young guys. Like 
to me, what's so impressive is with Colin Sexton, especially he's playing so well without Kevin Love being there. And I really thought that Kevin Love was going to be essential to how well he plays just because Sexton does have his limitations, but you're kind of seeing that growth and Jetty Osmond's shown a lot of growth. As I said, he's struggling with his finishing, especially after he got hurt. Um, but he's getting everywhere he wants to on the court. His passing is better than anyone anticipated. His dribbling is better than anyone anticipated. His rebounding is better than anyone anticipated. And the fact that he's actually able to get where he wants to on the court is encouraging because this is a guy that couldn't even dribble last year. So it's all about his kind of his skills catching up to his new physical ability. Um, so that that's all part of the process, but he's another guy, as you said, that's playing like a few positions higher in the rotation and has a few more responsibilities than he should, uh, especially now that he's playing at power forward primarily. He seems to really struggle with that, but um, it is interesting to see all of these guys that you, you just think if they were put in a better situation, uh, they, they could really be helpful uh, players. Absolutely. And the nice thing about the Cavs just being a like a, a bad team, I was going to use worse words, but I, they're, they're probably not like one of the worst three. Maybe they are. I don't know, but they're bad. But it, like they can play, you know, Burks, Hood, uh, David Nwaba a lot of minutes and then, you know, have one of them go one or two of them go on a nice little run and then convince some like jazz team like, hey, you need this guy. Give us a give us a protected first. You know, let's <laughs> let's talk 2022 first round picks. You don't care about that. You're gonna be great then. Here, take David Nwaba. Like, I don't know if they get a first for any of those guys. Maybe they get some seconds, but you know, this is like all auditions for them, and it's kind of a win-win-win all around. Like the player gets to go to a better situation, the Cavs get capital for the future, and some team gets a usable wing. Like you can't really have enough wing players. Like I, I maybe they keep some of those guys going forward, maybe not. I mean, their timetables are a little more. I think those are all mid twenty year old guys, so probably yeah. not too much use in keeping them going forward because the Cavs are going to be bad for a little while still. But it's a nice, nice chance to recoup some assets here that were spent in the LeBron years. Yeah, and, and speaking of trades, the, the one situation that I wouldn't be surprised if the Cavs got involved with in some kind of capacity is the, this four-way deal that is apparently happening with Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Trevor Ariza. Apparently, KCP is now going to Houston, which I guess means Phoenix doesn't want him on their roster. Um, and, and they're looking for, I guess, a, a fourth team to take on Brandon Knight and uh, some draft picks as compensation. So um, I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see if maybe that's a JR landing spot. Um, I, I don't know exactly where he'd end up and what team would have interest in that because if KCP is landing in Houston, they, they can't take him on and LA can't take him on if Trevor Rees is part of the deal unless they're shedding like Rondo's contract and something else. So um, Cavs make sense because they're one of the few teams that's actually selling and is looking to take on long-term money for draft assets. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting to see exactly how that situation unfolds. Yeah, it will. And, you know, just like it, it, it certainly wouldn't surprise me for them to try to sneak their way in there and act as facilitator again. Because so many deals, you know, need that third or fourth or whatever team just to be like, yeah, we'll take your crap. Just give us some stuff for it. And the Cavs are such a perfect, perfect destination for that. I mean, I read Especially today, with the Rich Paul connection. I mean, you, you yeah. got KCP, you got JR, you got all these guys that are re uh, represented by Rich Paul. And that certainly helps kind of grease the wheels there. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, KCP theoretically would 
probably be better off not allowing himself to be traded, which he can do because of his impending early bird rights in LA. But you think so? He, um, I mean, like he loses early bird rights and he goes to a team that's not the Lakers. He doesn't play with LeBron. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess if they're really sick of him, he would rather just go somewhere else to redeem himself. I just don't know, like, what better situation is there than playing in freaking Los Angeles, being a shooter on LeBron's team? Like, I don't know. I don't know what's up with him or the slump right now, but I feel like financially it makes more sense. I feel like the situation makes more sense. But I guess if there's just not a fit and they're more interested in playing the young guys, then maybe he'd like to go somewhere and try to redeem himself like the Rockets. I don't know. It's, it's interesting to me. Maybe they just, you know, the Rich Paul connection. He's just like, okay, I'll wave it. You guys cut me yeah. all these $20 million deals. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> You got me uh, overpaid for the last two years. See, to me, I found it interesting because his minutes, as you mentioned, he's in a bit of a slump. His minutes are dropping off. And I, I think once Trevor Ariza's on the Lakers, like there really isn't a role for him. And I know theoretically he's a shooter, but he's not someone that's shot particularly well throughout his career. He's, he's had a couple seasons that are like slightly average. Um, but he, it, it just seems like, especially in a contract year, that it almost would be doing him a favor if he could go to a situation where they really need him. And Houston, for example, is one of those teams. They, they just have absolutely no depth. And he, it's, a, it's probably going to end up being a little more high profile of a situation. Like, I understand that the Lakers have decent seating right now, but they have had uh, kind of a weaker schedule. And I do anticipate some teams moving above them in the West. So, like, I, I think Houston, as bad as they've played, is eventually going to put this together. Um, so I, I do think it, it could be a situation where it's actually doing KCP a favor. Uh, it's doing the Lakers a favor if they're landing a Riza because I, I think he's a really good fit for them, um, especially if he can be somewhat what he was last season. Um, so it, it is going to be really interesting to see how that unfolds. Yeah, it is. I wonder what, if anything else, the Lakers have sort of in the holster for this year because it just feels to me that like, I don't know if they're just going to get Trevor Ariza and then be done. Like, <laughs> like they, they're better than I thought they would be. And I, like this, you, you're right about the schedule and everything else, but it just feels like you watch what they're doing and no one outside of Josh Hart is playing well. I actually, for my whiteboard column tomorrow, I wrote about how LeBron is just, again, dragging his team to be so much better than they should be. Right. No one outside of Braun, Josh Hart, who I think it was Chris Herring identified before the year, he would be like the perfect LeBron teammate there. 100% correct prediction by Chris. Yeah. And then JaVale. No one outside of those three guys is in the top like 30 or to 32% in efficiency according to cleaning the glass for their positions. Like none of them are like solid like B contributors on offense. Lonzo is like 12% or something. Kuzma is like 60%. Brandon Ingram's like less than 50 percentile. So you're just looking at a lot of guys who are just not very good on offense and they're like 16 and 11 anyway just because LeBron is just going to do stupid LeBron 28-7-7 stuff it's I don't know I feel like you can only look at that for so long and keep holding to this line of you know we're gonna wait and build this summer and do this like I, I just don't know I, it would be tough for me if I'm running the Lakers if I'm Magic Johnson just be like yeah we'll just punt this year it's fine we don't need a second star I, I don't know even who would be available but I mean maybe yeah. Maybe Kemba, if the Hornets finally sell, maybe? <laughs> I, I think Kemba's going to be safe. I, I, I still think that the play is going to end up being them trading for Damian Lillard uh, this summer. Um, not this year, but it, they, they seem to be fine with punting this season. And 
Um, I know things are working out really well. They've actually been aided by injuries because Rajon Rondo going out has basically forced them to do what everybody has said they should do, which is play LeBron as essentially the point guard. Yeah. Uh, And Lonzo Ball is kind of playing off ball, uh, which is is kind of his ideal role. And uh, like that's working for them. But LeBron's logging all these minutes. He's just completely taken over again. And I, I mean, we all mock what the Cavs were last season, but this time last year they were going on like an 18 and two run uh, heading up to Christmas. Uh, they won 13 games in a row, uh, like that, and that was largely a product of LeBron doing what he's doing right now. Is he going to want to do that for a full season, or is he going to start to get frustrated as he has in the past when he's had to do this role, uh, especially as he ages? So, um, how how that situation unfolds. It, is still really unclear. So, I I mean, I, I've been pretty vocal in saying that they shouldn't have punted this year in the way that they yeah. have. But so far, they seem content in doing so. And realistically, like, there aren't their trade assets worse than they were in the summer? Like, the way Brandon Ingram, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, uh, uh, Lonzo, like, none of the – even Kuzma, like – None of these guys are necessarily elevating their trade value. It might be stagnant to some extent, but I, I think some of them, the the lack of development has to have hurt, right? Yeah, I, I think a team could definitely sell themselves on those guys, like especially Ingram to me, I think is, I don't know if the Lakers would even be interested in trading him, but that's the guy to me where I could get some team like, you know, your Charlotte or Portland or whoever to be like, look at this guy, like look what he could be theoretically if he, stops being a complete beanpole and doesn't play with LeBron anymore. And like his numbers without LeBron on the floor are like a lot better. I don't know the exact numbers. I've seen them a little while ago on the timeline, but you know, you could show a team those numbers and be like, look, obviously you don't have LeBron sucks to be you, but it works in this case, like give Brandon a bunch of time. He'll, he'll be something really good. Like I I could see that maybe with Charlotte, if Kemba starts forcing his way out, but if you're looking at like, Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal, for example, I, I don't know if teams are dying and, unless those guys are completely forcing their way out. And even at that, I, I think some teams could could beat uh, a Brandon Twiggins uh, offer. <laughs> like, I just, I, <sighs> if it wasn't for the trade kicker, I think Wall to the Lakers would make some sense. I, <laughs> but that's such a huge it, if. Like the it, contract it is make, awful. Now it doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense from a basketball sense. Like I, I get oh, that. No. Like he's not a terrible player, but that's like the type of move I could see them doing, especially exactly. with John Wall being a Rich Paul client. Exactly. That, that's what I mean. I, I don't mean like it would fit seamlessly. I mean it would be like such a Lakers. Like look who we have, best two way guard four years ago in the East. You know, yada yada yada. But that, I just don't think Washington like they'd have to eat like twenty million just to trade him, which is. That, that would be for, objectively the funniest outcome of this season. <laughs> it would, especially after they gave up a second round pick to save like two million in luxury tax and get rid of Jason Smith. If they're like, yeah, we'll we'll pay this twenty million to get rid of John Wall. Right. Doubling back to the Bucks, where where do you think they stand in the Eastern Conference? Because they had a really impressive win over Toronto. Um, they had an impressive win, even though Giannis didn't play well, Chris Middleton didn't play well, and. Uh, obviously, Kyle, Kyle Lowry didn't for Toronto either. Um, but with Lowry kind of looking not – I don't know if I should say not like himself because himself being limited by injuries has kind of been the Kyle Lowry story. Um, but 
it, it just seems like the Bucks are right there neck and neck. And it, as good as Toronto is, I, I don't think they're head and shoulders above the rest of the Eastern Conference. Like, I, I really do think that this is going to end up being a dogfight uh, come spring. No, I think it's an absolute scrum. I mean, I keep wanting to say India. I, like, I think there's a top five and there's everybody else, and that's borne out. Like, there's the top five teams. I think Charlotte or something is 500, and then everyone else kind of just sucks. Right. Um, but, like, I think Indiana's probably near the back because I think their second best player just isn't as good as anybody else's second best player. But they're so – like, they just find ways to win. Like, tonight they beat a basically fully healthy Bucks team. I mean, Pat C, the revelation, didn't play. But otherwise, Giannis, Chris, Bledsoe, everyone else was in and Brogdon and – and they just won at home. They were just they were just better. They played well. They were suffocating on defense. Like that team, I think, might even still be able to come out on top, just because like they're so damn great. Like they, you saw, obviously, they almost beat the Cavs this last year, and that Cavs team wasn't tremendous, but they sure did blitz uh, Toronto. Um, I think Boston is still probably, in my opinion, the team that would give the Bucks the most trouble. Like I just think something about like Boston just feels like. They almost always have Milwaukee's number in the most recent iteration of these teams. And I still think they're going to figure it out. Like Gordon Hayward's going to get healthier. You know, they're all going to stop making fun of Jalen Brown for not playing well. Kyrie is still going to say weird shit, but they'll just start winning instead. Like, I just think they're good. The Horford thing is the most concerning, I think. Uh, it helps right. that Daniel Tice can play and, you know, we'll see what Time Lord can do. But like Horford now is do, being like. Do not weird. come on my podcast and use weird Celtic Twitter's names. Come on. <laughs> okay, that'll be the last one. Although shout out to my guys over there. Anyway, um, <laughs> Horford has a leg injury I've never heard of. I feel like that's not good. I don't know how to say it. I don't know what it is. He's only out for a little while with it. But I was like, I don't. That's not good. Sign out Horford. Yeah, know. it doesn't. It do, it doesn't seem great at all. And I feel like out of those teams, I, and this is kind oh, of we didn't mention Philly. Philly's good too. Yeah, Philly's good. But out of those teams, and I don't necessarily include Indiana. Like, I think Indiana is legitimately a good team, but I wouldn't put it – I don't think they had the same ceiling as kind of the, the top four. Yeah. Um, but out of those four, I feel like Boston has the lowest floor and the highest ceiling. Like, I, I feel like um, how well those guys can play, like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kyrie, uh, Gordon Hayward, and Al Horford. Like, I just think if they're all – clicking on all cylinders and and we haven't seen that that's possible or that that is going to be the case but if they do I feel like they have the highest ceiling but my sense is always that Milwaukee especially with the the length that they have I feel like they have the tools to prevent teams from doing what they want to do like they, Mm -hmm. they just go out there they're disruptive um Chris Middleton when he's right is one of the best shooting guards in the league like he does so many things on both ends of the floor and Giannis can absolutely be the best player in a series and and that's so important come playoffs and I I don't know if Milwaukee's even necessarily done this season in in terms of just kind of adding some pieces like I could see them being active on the buyout market similar to how Philly was last year and adding Marco Bellinelli and Ilyasova like I just think the, the more role guys they have there, you, you can just kind of shuffle those guys in. And, and Budenholzer uh, has done a great job in, in maximizing what they have so far this season. Yeah, I absolutely agree on Milwaukee. But all, pretty much all that. I think the Bucks. I think the Bucks could absolutely win the East this year, to be clear. I mean, I think that's not really a hot take anymore. They're their number two and they beat the Raptors twice. But right. they're absolutely still going to look for stuff. Um, they need a big guy. I think Thon is basically their backup center right now. And you know, aside from flashes here and there in the postseason, he's just not – he's not consistent. He can't rebound. I mean, he's not 
he can't do what Brooke Lopez does. And Brooke's been so, so huge for them. If, if the Lakers had been smart enough to bring back Brooke Lopez, Milwaukee would be such a different team this year because he's brought a lot to that team. Yeah, I mean, he's, was, he's looking more mobile than I remember him being. Like, yeah. he, he's doing, like, between-the-leg dribbles at the three-point line and, and like, taking one-legged runners. And it, it's, it's weird seeing a guy that tall play like that. And, and we, we see guys that tall play like that in, in terms of guys like Giannis, but for, like, a big, thick guy, like an actual big man going out there and, and moving like that, it, it's pretty funny to watch. It is. It's kind of like when Boogie started doing that stuff with, when he was still with the Kings. He started taking more. He started driving more, handling the ball more, shooting more, and it it does. It takes you a little bit to adjust. It's like, wait, what's? Is he really doing that? Like, is that possible for him to move that way? It really puts in perspective how bad a short, bad basketball players are. <laughs> like Brooke definitely has a better handle than me, and I'm I'm six feet tall, so it's like, oh. Yeah, yeah. It, it's he. Apparently, these guys get paid for a reason. Although, Brooke yeah. Lopez isn't even getting paid that much. That's no, that's he, one of the best be. contracts in the NBA this season. It absolutely is. But they need a guy behind him. They could probably use another like guy who can play the four or two. Ersan has been really good at some points, but really not good in others. And he's just he's not really that mobile at all. I mean, he's more of a – I mean, he might even play some of the five minutes as well. I think he, he is already. But He's a specialist, it, right? Yeah, he's a, a charge taker. It's really a charge taker, <laughs> offensive tip-in guy, and, and shooter is really the things that he does the best. And Where, where do you stand on the charge? You, you got my mind running because I, I think the charge should be eliminated from basketball. And, and to, to clarify for those that don't fully understand, I'm not saying you should get rid of offensive fouls. If a guy's out of control and he's barreling into guys, that's still an offensive foul. But running to the other side of the key and standing still is not a defensive play. Play some damn defense. Don't just stand in the way of people. That's, it, it, it's not a basketball play. It's got to go. I think if you get rid of it, you have to look at how you call shooting fouls when two guys rise up. Like For I sure. think you have you, to be you'd more have to make some altercations or <laughs> altercations. There'll be those two. Yeah, uh, yeah, more fist fights. You need that, and you also make <laughs> make some alterations uh, to the verticality rules because you, yeah. you have to allow guys to play defense. But um, it, it's a change that I think is overdue. I I, I I could see it. I mean, usually I'm against like like baseball. They're talking about getting rid of the shift. I'm not for that at all. But I, I wouldn't be mad if they got rid of the charge if they let guys like I think if two guys kind of go up and sort of meet at the at us at a pretty like equidistant point from where they took off and they kind of meet in the air when when like a, going up for a layup or a dunk or whatever i feel like most of the time that like just let them play just yeah. see what happens yeah if the offensive player is bringing the ball into the body of the other guy yeah that's uh protect the ball make an offensive play don't just draw the foul and as a defender make a defensive play don't just stand there like an idiot and i'm saying yeah. that as someone that was 100 percent the obnoxious guy taking a million here <laughs> talking shit like i i was i was awful on a basketball court but that's because i suck like I, yeah i'm i'm a awkward lanky white guy like I, I podcast. I, I don't make highlight <laughs> defensive plays. I host I the chase say, down. I don't make the chase downs. Yeah, that's very well said. I will say I'm more concerned with the the flop shooting fouls than the charge. Like I, I think if get rid of those and the charge at once, that's fine. But I think those should be like you know what I'm like the pump fake. The guy jumps and 
like the the offensive player clearly is just like all right here's two free throws let me just cash in these like i just i don't like it like i i kind of right. see why they call it but i think i think i think you can look at it and just be an intelligent person and be like okay he only like that's not that's like just call it a, a normal like off ball foul don't let him shoot free throws on that at least Right, and they made that alteration uh, on the three-point line where you can't do the rip-through fouls, but that still happens when guys are driving, right? Like, they still hold the ball out and they bring it through the, the well, mid that and that, even just, and like, like, you pump fake and the guy moves and you just, like, stand there and wait for it and then jump, like, the very last second. Like, you see those a lot. And it's like, mm-hmm. I get you should be rewarded if you make a guy move with the pump fake, but there's so many that are just so blatant. I mean, I don't know if there's anything you can really do about that. I guess it's fair if you get the guy moving, but it's just very, it's not aesthetically pleasing at all. No, no, absolutely. And, and if you guys disagree, let us know, uh, email yeah. chase down pod. Cause I'm, I'm sure this is a controversial topic. I want to, I want to fight people over it. So, uh, if you disagree, if you like the charge, and especially on a podcast led by praising Delhi, <laughs> <laughs> We're we're basically taking away a secret weapon, so the, I, I don't know how how that's going to go over. But by the time the rule change actually takes effect, I, I, Delhi's probably going to be moving on with his career. Yeah, I, I think I think the Bucks should have put like a clause in Delhi and in Ursan's contract. Like, if the charge gets banned while this contract is still going, it's immediately null and void, and we don't have to pay you anymore. <laughs> that's that's the whole reason we did this, guys. I, I like that. I like non-guaranteed contracts that are dependent on rule <laughs> changes in the NBA. I, d- I don't know what other ones we'd institute, but... Um, uh, double steps money if there's a four-point line. <laughs> that, that would be going the other way on that. But um, yeah. Can, that, we, can we talk quickly? And I know we've talked, we're probably way over time, but people were like, why was it suggested when, like, when the Warriors were winning a lot before KD got there? That the way to neutralize that was a four-point line. Like, you want to give Steph more points? Yeah. <laughs> he's the guy making all of these. Like, and now LeBron apparently can too. But it's like he's like he, – like, I just don't get what rational human is like. Let's make it so they can score more on these jump shots, and then that will show them. Let's make them spread the floor farther. What, where do you stand on the take that the three-point line should be extended to remove the corner threes? That, like, it just keeps going to the sideline? I don't like it. I, I don't I, think I, I like I it either. It's part of defense. Like, I, I just don't know why we would, like, realize that these are the best aesthetic shots. But like, it's not like teams only shoot threes. Like, everyone still goes inside, too. And I just I don't, I don't think it's necessary to take away that. And especially because I feel like, you know, you're not hurting, like, your Steph Currys and Klay Thompsons of the world. You're hurting, like, big guys who can kind of get over there and, and pop a quick three. Like, those are the people who live over there, not the, not the shooters you're probably thinking of. Right. Yeah. Don't don't hurt Auntie Zizic. I mean, his corner no. three is legendary. No, don't do that to Auntie. Yeah. I mean, he he had that one in summer league, so that that is <laughs> that is his shot forever now. Um. Yeah. I I agree, and it's I, I don't I I think it's a little bit overblown. Like Pop talking about the the beauty of basketball being oh, yeah. on now. I th- I think that's a result of having both Demar Derozan and Lamarcus Aldridge on your team. Like. The guy playing the most beautiful basketball on that team is Rudy Gay. So you, you basically have a three – you have triplets, basically. Different height triplets playing the same style. And, and Rudy Gay is the only one that's made any evolution to his game. 
Well, the funny thing is you could argue that the Spurs are a lot of the reason people shoot all these threes now anyway because of the right. beautiful game Spurs in like 2013 and 14. So I don't really understand. And he was having a blast with those oh, teams. Oh, man. Those, those are the best Spurs teams. I mean, maybe not. I mean, some of the early 2000s teams. But in my opinion, those were some of the best Spurs teams ever and maybe the best. I mean, when they beat the Heatles, that was just... And just man, the, the 2013 finals is still... Like, that's, that's basketball cocaine. Like, you can't yeah. watch that series without chopping it up on a mirror. No, exactly. It's, it's going right into the veins. <laughs> Man. Um, so is there anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this thing up? Uh, I mean, we, I think we've covered a, a fair amount. I'm, I'm excited about the Bucks because especially now that I have the added investment of I need Giannis to stay so we get that 2022 pick because um, I've got my fingers oh, yeah. crossed. I got my fingers crossed that that becomes the uh, the high school college draft where it's kind oh. of a double draft because I, I know 2021 is the earliest that they said it could happen, but those things take time. So my my fingers are fully crossed that Giannis stays and that is the double draft. What's the what's the latest that pick can convey? Because I know eventually it becomes two seconds. So it's protected for two years. So it won't come over in 2021 because it's owed to the Suns. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's that's when that pick will probably. Well, is it 2020? No, it's 2021, I think, because the protections are pretty. The protections are so weird on that Suns pick. I don't know why they did it that way, but I don't think that's going to convey. It's like the like the last year. Like I think the last. Right. Year it's not conveying. It, yeah, the Suns pick isn't conveying this season. It'll convey no. next season. That's why oh, I said that it likely won't come until 2022. Gotcha, gotcha. Right, because uh, it's like top seven protected and also 17 through 30. So unless something really goes poorly this year, it's yeah. not going to the Suns. Yeah, that's, I don't, that's such a weird – I don't think I've ever seen a first that the protections swing around like that. But, you know, why not? Whatever, John Horst, do your thing. It was funny because a Bucks person talking to me, like not a Bucks person, a Bucks fan, I should clarify, was <laughs> saying, um, you know, oh, it feels like with this pick, like they're never going to have another first. And I was like, they're literally going to have their first round pick this season. Mm-hmm. No, so no, maybe, for sure. Maybe, maybe don't go off by Aaron Brimstone before you get a couple facts, my guy. Also, I, I think if they acquire – like the Stepien rule is so funny because even last season when the Cavs had their own pick and the Brooklyn pick, like they were able to trade their own pick because they had another first. So I guess yes. if the Bucks acquire a first, then all of a sudden that pick can is no longer protected by a Stepien rule and, and could convey in 2021. But is it – I don't – did they write it in that it will just go two years after the Suns pick? Because I feel like – No, no, it? it's – It's just the Stepien rule. Okay. Yeah, it's just the Stepien rule essentially. Okay, interesting. That I don't know how that would be fun if they got Ooh. a first somehow. <laughs> the Cavs are going to uh, well. I, I guess at that point the Cavs are already going to be a championship uh, caliber team with RJ Barrett and uh, Jetty. And, yeah, Jetty fully evolved. The uh, sex man. The sex man. Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love in the middle. John yeah. Henson. Uh, like, hey, hey, point man. center. No, 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 no. John John Henson's netting us three firsts at the deadline. <laughs> first at the deadline. Yeah, that, that's how we're rounding out the rest is, of the roster. Is that is that how much Guangdong is going to give up to add him? <laughs> that's how much Vivek's going to give up. Oh, oh man, he's big like Steph, but he shoots like Clay or whatever. Hey, hey, or vice versa. Uh, I the Kings want to load up for a playoff run, so oh, I, oh, I, that's that's one hundred percent where the Jazz guys are ending up, right? What do you mean the jazz guys? Like Burks and Hood? Oh, oh yeah, that's probably probably even though I don't like I don't like know they what really they, what, what do I want to add? 
I, I don't know what they want. What to position add. do they need? I don't know. Help. <laughs> a big guy? I, I don't know. What the, I don't, I, it's the Kings. No one ever knows. I just, I just feel like, why can't they just be happy and like keep doing I don't. It's just oh, the Kings. My, my one last question is, where do you think KD is going to go? Oh, Knicks. Yeah. yeah, I feel like it makes a lot of sense. Because that's like, KD doesn't – I was talking about this with my guy, Joey Burps, today. KD does not have stands. And no, exactly. And if he goes to the Knicks, like all the Knicks, like Jesus and Mero and everyone are like automatic. And Michael Rapport and a bunch of other less annoying people will – and I'm not saying Jesus and Mero are annoying. I'm saying Michael Rapport. No, no. <laughs> that, that was to be 100% clear. clear. I, um, I can't <laughs> wait to see videos about KD that are filmed two centimeters away from the, his eyebrows I, oh yeah that's those are coming but it just makes sense because all those new yorkers will like be forced to stand him and like they did it with mellow and they pretended mellow was from new york like we're gonna hear a lot about it's it, it just makes sense i wish he would go play with lebron and make a rivalry with the warriors but i don't oh, god it. no god no don't no 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 i i, I don't need that i uh, that's the it would be hilarious if he went to the Clippers, which was the conversation of the day. I don't see it. The Knicks makes so much sense to me because his move to Golden State was a no-lose situation because that team, we you know, it, it's ridiculously talented. They weren't going to lose. They were going to three-peat here. Um, but the Knicks is also a no-lose situation because, like, they still stand mellow. Like, you can do no wrong by <laughs> Knicks fans. If you're someone that chooses them, even though they're, like, just a garbage franchise, you're you're going to be a god there forever. Now it would be funny if he goes to the Knicks. Then that summer they also sign Kyrie, which is <laughs> the other half of my prediction. And Knicks fans love the hometown guy more. Oh man, I it like would it shock you if the Knicks love some random person more than Melo? All right, not Melo, Katie. All right, <laughs> Melo, Katie. Same, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Um. I'd, like the thing, the thing that would just bum me out the most is if if he stays in Golden State. It's not even like I don't give a shit about competitive balance. Like teams should try to be the best that they can. Like I'm, I don't care about any of that. Like go Warriors if they can keep finding a way to stomp on everyone. Good for them. I just want to watch them play the fun way again. Like I don't want to watch them be second in the NBA in mid range jumpers anymore. I don't want to watch them. Like they used to get a little cold and like Steph and them would have to figure it out. Now they get cold and like. All right, Katie, hit three eighteen footers when you're super guarded, and we'll take the lead, and it's it's over again. Like it's just boring. Like, like the style of play. It's not the competitiveness. It's just the way they play isn't as fun to me. And the drama and jokes is so much better if KD leaves too, right? Yeah, yeah. Like that, it, it would be such an entertaining summer. Um, I really do appreciate you coming on here. Uh, before we wrap things up, do you want to plug your stuff? Oh yeah, good call. I completely forgot to. Um, Check me out on I'm, Twitter. I mean, I'm here. I'm here for you. I mean, I'm here to support you, you plugging whatever you want, buddy. I appreciate that a lot. Um, my Twitter at Ty Windish, T-I-W-I-N-D-I-S-C-H. Yes, Ty spelled T-I. It's not pronounced T-I like the rapper. That'd be pretty cool, though. Um, <laughs> check me out on Twitter, though. I share pretty much everything I do on there. The number one thing these days as it relates to UMBA folk is the whiteboard, my daily NBA newsletter. Basically, I, I, I break down one topic I feel like every day. I include a bunch of links to like some cool stuff, NBA stuff I like around the internet from the day before. It's the best way to stay informed about the league. You can subscribe to that. The link is on my Twitter. Otherwise, it's bit.ly slash NBA whiteboard. Bitly, if you're familiar, slash NBA whiteboard. Go subscribe. It's free. It's awesome. It's, it's dope. And you know, this podcast will probably be on there because I'm all about plugging myself. So, yeah. Beautiful. And I'm all about you plugging my stuff. So 
that I would also appreciate that. Um, win. Nothing to plug in terms of sponsorships this week, but I want to give a shout out to my guy, uh, Mason and Shamit. Uh, they gave us a shout out on their podcast, uh, which is in the N.O., uh, it's a Pelicans podcast, uh, part of the Blue Wire Network, like us. So be sure to check them out. They do fantastic work. Uh, they give a shout out on their podcast. I give a shout out on theirs because no sponsor this week. I want to plug whatever I want to plug. So that, that's go. how I live my life. Uh, but so go support them, support my guy Ty. And if you want to support us, you can do so by leaving us a rating, a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, cook those books. And if you want to be <laughs> part of our Discord chat, send a little screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com and we'll be more than happy to send you a link to that. Um, so really appreciate you coming on, Ty. Appreciate our listeners. And until next time, go Cavs.